welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host, and I am extremely happy to hang out with you for a bit. So we're going to start with a question. How do you feel about giving gifts? How do you feel about receiving gifts? These may sound like silly questions, but you know, there's all kinds of psychological possibilities here. Some people, when they receive them, they're flattered and they love it. Others feel instantly obligated. Some feel uncomfortable. Still others may think, what's the catch? What did you do? Why are you trying to to make up for something by giving me this? So there's a lot of possibilities broad spectrum of ways people can feel when it comes to gift giving psychologically. The Science Daily website tells us that across 12 studies examining the behavior of giving and receiving gifts in a setting that was conducive for that, the researchers demonstrated that the ones getting the gifts, the recipients, according to the study, were consistently focused on the thoughtfulness of a gift. That was the best thing. What about the givers? The gift givers, according to the study, incorrectly assume that the recipient's focus is on the value of the gift. For example, if one buys a bottle of cheap wine as a gift, but another person gave a bottle of expensive wine, Many would incorrectly assume that the recipient would appreciate the gesture of giving the expensive wine more than the cheap wine. And that may not be the case. Just the thoughtfulness of somebody bringing wine may have touched someone's heart. So, again, it's relative. We also commonly assume that other people's emotional displays are a representation of their internal state such as their happiness and their welfare. And and we use these displays to guide our own decision-making. And it's been speculated that others' emotional displays may actually drive the decision we make on their behalf. So you want to give somebody a gift, you want to blow their mind, you put a lot of thought into it because you are already expecting an emotional display based on them receiving the gift. See how it all works together? In fact, specifically, researchers have actually spoken of what they've called the, quote, smile-seeking hypothesis, surmising that people would gravitate towards the gifts that they anticipate and that this will elicit the most enthusiastic emotional responses rather than those that the recipients themselves would prefer or would derive the most satisfaction from. See how complicated this can be? We can ask ourselves then, am I giving this person a gift because I want to feel good? Or am I giving them a gift because I want them to feel good? Or both, because that's totally a possibility too. Now, the flip side is the concept of mandatory versus heartfelt giving. Why don't we start there? Picture this. Let's say that you are a six-year-old child, or you see a six-year-old child. Uh, You know what? Make it you. You are, once again, a six-year-old child. Your friend is a six-year-old child, too. 
you and your friend, you play with your toy car. For some reason, potentially jealousy, your friend tells you that they think that your toy car is stupid. You defend your toy car. They say it again. You push them. They cry. Uh-oh, here come the parents. Your mother and his mother are in the room, and they saw you push him, and your mother demands that you tell that kid that you are sorry. What do you do? You say, I'm sorry, because your mother told you to. In actuality, though, you probably wished you had pushed him harder for saying that your toy car was stupid. Was this a sincere apology? No, it was a forced apology. Someone was making you do it, so it wasn't necessarily coming from your heart. So while in principle, it was totally the right thing to do to apologize, in practice, it only is going to be effective in its truest sense if it was heartfelt. Gifts, same principle. To me, gifts can be that way too. There's, there's obligational gifts rather than gifts that are coming from our heart. For example, every February, many people on this planet celebrate a holiday known as Valentine's Day. I, I personally don't, and, and neither does my wife. But, but of all the holidays that many people celebrate, I find this one, and I mean this in a nice way, to be one of the saddest holidays that people have come up with. Why? Let's, let's reflect. Society tells a man that he has to get his significant other a gift. So he does, most of the time. Why does he do it? He was told to do it. He has to do it. There's going to be a problem if he doesn't do it. See, if he doesn't do it, then he is both in trouble and or viewed as a bad person. Flowers, of which the man probably had little to do with actually picking out, are then delivered in workplaces and ladies seem thrilled to have received them, even though this was on one day of the year and the man, again, was actually told that he had to do this on that day. To me, that kills the romance. <laughs> That's not romantic. It's a hybrid between that forced apology and subtly blatant commercialism. Now, let's say a man sends his wife flowers on November 9th at 11 o'clock in the morning for absolutely no reason, with a card just telling her he loves her, and this is done with no motive other than sincerity. He just felt like doing it and she was really happy. Well, there's a keeper. See, that's something that she can be excited about. She should be excited about. He did it, and he obviously didn't have to. He wanted to do it. That is a cause for joy. Valentine's Day is more of a cross between desperation and soullessness. And, you know, there are other factors that also make Valentine's Day as romantically realistic as the possibility of Culture Club being asked to play the halftime show at the Super Bowl. <laughs> One is the fact that, that oftentimes the very next day, 
that male in the relationship goes right back to doing nothing within hours of the holiday being over until society again tells him, dictates to him that he has to do it, which means that perceptive wives have two choices. Be happy with the substandard forced affection that he gave her when he was told to do it, or be completely upset that he isn't like that for at least some of the other 364 days within the year. Again, this whole aspect of gift giving on command, and it's not the wife's fault, it's society. To me, that's just sad. The whole thing is just so sad. It's kind of funny. This still is a pop culture uh, podcast too. This, this reminds me, as an analogy, when I first heard the White Album by the Beatles, there was a song on there called Martha, My Dear. I, I thought that Martha, My Dear, was such a cute and affectionate love song. It, it was love at first listen. Paul McCartney using the phrases, hold your head up, you silly girl, and you've always been my inspiration. How endearing are those terms? I remember making mixtapes of love songs, and, and, and this was on there sometimes for that reason. Well, then later, I read that this song was written about his English sheepdog named Martha. <laughs> now, I'm an animal lover. While this is, in a way, very endearing, too, I truthfully liked it better when I thought that Martha was a human woman. Valentine's Day gift-giving, for me, is essentially finding out that Martha was intended for a sheepdog. It's in principle a nice idea, but it's not directed to you from a place that you're hoping that it is. It's obligational gift-giving, and the commerce of the world takes full, full advantage of that fact. So... If you didn't receive a gift from someone this year because you're not in a committed relationship and this made you sad, re remember this. Is that worse than having received something that someone put no thought into because they felt like they had to do it or they'd be in trouble? Personally, again, my wife and I don't do this. So my job then is to try to attempt to be a reasonably good husband for as many days a year as I can for her. Now, many of which I fail miserably, and I'm only successful a small percentage of the time. But, but ultimately, in conclusion, I, I try and I succeed as long, and I mean this, as long as she does not tell me that my toy car is stupid. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that has the goal of complimenting this episode. We're putting a nice bow on it for you. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast nifty gifty playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash nifty gifty. Let's start with track number one. Track number one is a little bit of bubblegum pop with the song Indian Giver by the 1910 Fruit Gum Company. It's kind of cool. I interviewed Frank Jekyll of this band, and I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever heard the Ramones cover version of your song, Indian Giver? He said that he did. 
I asked him if he liked it, and he said he really did like it. He said they did a good job. Well, then ironically, later on, I interviewed Marky Ramon, and I was able to tell this to him, and it made him happy. So that was kind of a nice thing. Number two is the song Greatest Gift by Scratch Acid. Number three is Nazareth with Turn On Your Receiver. Number four is A Gift by Lou Reed. Now, if this song is tongue-in-cheek, it's hilarious. If it's not tongue-in-cheek and he's serious, it's even better. And you know what? I hope that it's not because that would be awesome. I wanted to make that my ringtone, but I, I knew people would think that they'd take it wrong, so I just never did. Number five, Especially for You by the Smithereens. Really pretty song. Their guitarist, Jim Babjack, was also a really good guy when I interviewed him. Number six is by Soundgarden. The song is called She Likes Surprises. Number seven is Wrapping Paper by Cream. You know, I'm totally bummed. We, we were set up to interview Jack Bruce, and, and there were scheduling issues, and, and he passed away. So it never came to fruition. But I, I, do, I do wish that we would have had that opportunity. Uh, number eight, Give the People What They Want by the OJs. Number nine is a beautiful song by Chardet called The Sweetest Gift. And number 10 is the otherworldly pretty song by Massive Attack called Exchange off their mezzanine record. So atmospherically nice. So that is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in refresher podcast dash nifty gifty. We also, I, this is mind-blowing this time around. We, we want to welcome some new listeners. Our demographics are so, so crazy when it comes to, to locations. Of course, we have in the United States, we have listeners that we can add to our normal listener base. For example, we have listeners now in Pioneer, California. But we also have listeners now in the free and Hanseatic city of Hamburg, Germany, and in the Brunei, Muara district of Brunei, which is the country located on the north coast of the island of Borneo in Southeast Asia. Are you kidding me? Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope it speaks to you in some way, and, and I hope you can pass it along to somebody who might need it, depending on the topic. Thanks again so much out there, and welcome to Refresher. Listen, this show would not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor, please continue to pass this along to your friends. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, and only if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the Support This Podcast link under the episode description. If you're so inclined, that would be great. But whether you do or whether you don't, just don't worry about it. Feel free to listen and enjoy this show anytime. It's, it's my gift to you. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor. And remember, 
There's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.